It's been weighing on me how to start this episode for the last few days because I shared on my social media that the last episode that I recorded was on the day that Dewey suddenly and very unexpectedly passed away. I have not been able to listen back to that episode, not because I'm talking about him. I actually don't even remember what I might have talked about (laughs) in that episode. It's the fact that he was sitting next to me the whole time I was recording it. And then it was just a mere hour or two later, everything took place. So publishing that seems to bring up a lot of emotion. This whole grieving thing brings up a lot of emotion. But let me just start off here. For those who are just tuning in, for those who are new to my podcast, welcome to the Connect the Dots Bitch podcast. I'm Amy Fiedler, Certified Holistic Life Coach Reiki Master Practitioner, and I'll just drop a few other titles for you to like toot my own fucking horn right now. I'm an ordained minister. That is correct. I can fix your life, and then I can marry you off. So if you would like me to do that, and you don't mind profane language, (laughs) just kidding. I I have officiated many weddings, and I have removed all F-bombs in the process. So needless to say, welcome. Um, If you don't follow me on social media, you might have been wondering, where the fuck did she go? Because I am very consistent in publishing a new episode for you every single Sunday. And last was it last, not last Sunday, the Sunday before, February 23rd, a date that I will never forget. I had a very tragic incident take place, uh, a very unexpected event. And you know, the more I think about this, the wilder it gets, guys, because this is really this is this this really puts life in perspective in my opinion right i my relationship with dewey again those who are new dewey is i don't like speaking in past tense is was my pomeranian he is my child he was with me and still is with me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He was two months shy of 13 years old. And so, you know, we didn't go anywhere unless we were together. He was very, very rarely left by himself. Like I would go to the grocery store. That would take me like 15 minutes. He'd be by himself. Or if I went out on a date, like max two hours, two to three hours tops. But other than that, if I had other things, if I was making plans or if I traveled, which was rare because, and I'll get into that in a little bit, 
I had grandma and grandpa and and he only stayed with grandma and grandpa. He didn't have a dog walker. He didn't have other people that were handling him. It was either mommy or grandma and grandpa. I chose not to. People people thought this was weird. I don't think this is weird. And I think parents can also attest to this to some degree if 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 you have a similar mindset to me, right? Like no, life doesn't stop when you have a an an animal. I don't consider him a pet. I never did. I didn't. I, I, I created this job for myself because I wanted to work from home. I mean, that's not the whole reason, but like a big reason I wanted to work from home is I wanted to be with him all the time. Um, you could say that's an unhealthy, we have separation anxiety type of thing. We had a very, very strong bond me and him and whatever you want to label it for me he was the light of my life I was the light of his life and he was my entire world so Sunday hits and I don't want to freak out you know like I've thought about this do I want to like retell this but I feel like for therapeutic purposes and putting it into my own words where you actually hear my voice will offer you something, especially maybe a different perspective on death. So I'm not going to apologize if I tear up. I really am very unpredictable <laughs> lately. I um, am still grieving. This is just, it's only been, we're not even two weeks out of this, but clearly this is what Amy does for a living. So you can't really be surprised that I'm kind of facing all of this head on and 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 coping. Probably better than maybe the average person would cope with something so tragic and devastating. And I'm using those words, obviously. I'm just going to disclaimer this to make myself feel better. It's really less for you and more for me, okay? The way I speak about Dewey... Um, the the words that I use defining any of this situation or my feelings are obviously mine. They're individual to me. And you might have different experiences, right? You might have a different experience with your animal or your loved ones or death in general. And don't worry. Yes, my humor has gotten rather dark, but I'm not going to freak out. It's not going to get super morbid up in here. I mean, not any more morbid than my last few dates have been. <laughs> and we'll get into that briefly, but I, I need to address this because otherwise I'm, a, I'm the type of person, y'all, that like if I don't address something that I I have shared with you and you know is going on and we just kind of skate past it, words unspoken bug the fuck out of me. Okay, and that's like a whole communication thing that I also kind of want to get into. Like people seem to feel like it's acceptable to not share their feelings, communicate their wants and needs. It's not. It's healthy. Like this whole, if you listen to my dating episode, whatever episode that was a few episodes ago, I've gone on many more dates since that episode. So we could say at this point, I'm pretty much a veteran at this fucking dating thing, okay? In my opinion, at least. I mean, humble brag. But 
people find it first of all these apps are not set up for success so if anyone runs a dating app and you want expertise in how to structure your app for actual healthy successful relationships have your people call my people because I got I I I know how to help you there okay in the meantime, I'm just kind of rectifying things in my interactions. Anyway, people find it acceptable to just ghost people. Ghosting is the, by far the unhealthiest thing you could ever do. It says more about you than it says about the other person. You are avoidant. You are not honest with your emotions. You are fearful of confrontation. I mean, there is just a fucking laundry list, but we will address that shortly as well. And listen, I listen back to my own episodes. I fucking know (laughs) that I sometimes say we will address this later. And then Amy's brain goes in a million different and we don't. So I'm going to try to stick to like just a few topics. So I keep this um, rather, rather concise, condensed, whatever, clear for you. Okay. Anyway, so so Sunday, February 23rd, my friend, we had like, I don't know, we had booked this to get together like a month in advance. So she was coming over. She was bringing her little seven-month-old baby. And we were just going to like hang out, have some snacks. I was making a little charcuterie board that morning. And everything was fine. No issues. Mind you, Dewey, again, he was almost 13. He didn't ever look like a senior dog. He didn't act like one. He didn't walk like one. He didn't have the energy of one. And that is a pure testament to how I spoke to him, how he was treated, just the environments he was kept in, the love that, that I gave him. It was unconditional, consistent love. That's it. He never got yelled at. I never lost my temper, snapped at him. I know I've repeated this in writing on Instagram, but here's the thing. I watch some of y'all's like stuff, you know what I mean? Some of you are in my life and I, I listen to you or I'm exposed to you and I'm around you and it is a very rare thing for someone to be capable of not taking their anger out on someone else, a very rare thing especially when it comes to an animal because they don't really have a voice. All they have is like a bark, right? And it's very easy. I mean, I I hear people say it's acceptable to speak to their animal a certain way because they're training them. And that's fine. Listen, there's never any judgment here. If that's what works for you, that's what resonates with you, do your thing. It didn't work for me. I grew up in an environment with a lot of yelling. I pretty much have PTSD when it comes to people raising their voice at me and yelling or being around arguments that escalate to that degree. I freeze, I collapse to the ground, and I shake. It's it's just a reaction that I have. Yes, I've worked on it for many years, but what you don't realize about working on yourself mentally, emotionally, is that you're not fixing things so that they never happen again. That's the biggest misconception in the world. What you're doing is you're learning healthier ways to cope with it and understand it, at least in my holistic process, okay? So Dewey was never 
like when I trained him and things like that, he wasn't, I didn't raise my tone. I only spoke to him in very loving ways, which if you follow me on Instagram, I'm going to keep saying this because I'm posting nonstop about it in videos. So if you don't, at Amy the Life Coach, go to my Instagram stories and watch the little videos that I have that I'm kind of just scrolling through my phone and posting because it's helping me cope. Every single one, you'll see consistency over the years of me going, you're so beautiful. How are you feeling, Angel? What do you need? Like, even if he, that day, that morning, I mean, he was normal all morning. He was very healthy. Pomeranians, just like any breed, they have their, you know, their health stuff, right? I was the, I was the, I was called a helicopter mom by everyone who knows me. I am a helicopter mom, a hundred fucking percent when it came to Dewey. He was taken to the vet for every single fucking thing in the world. Like if it was rainy and he had like a minor little like limp that almost looked like he just had swag to his step, right? If he had a minor little limp, I was at the vet in a sec. Is he okay? What's wrong? Like I was honed in. I was so present. I was honed in on every single move he made, every breath he took everything right you might be similar to me he was very healthy he had a a little heart murmur which listen like people in my immediate family have heart murmurs you can live a long healthy life with a heart murmur because basically it's comparable to like your front door not sealing properly right so if the seal is like worn or not there, then what happens? You get a little draft of cold air under the door, right? Like in my very nice upscale apartment, (laughs) my luxury apartment, the windows don't have proper ceiling. It's an older building, but like they've done renovations inside, right? But windows don't seal properly. So if I go sit near a window, I'm always gonna feel a cold draft. And that was basically like, you know, he would get checkups in between checkups because I'm a psychotic mom when it came to that. And he had medicine, not because he was suffering. He had medicine to basically be proactive and stay ahead of any potential issues down the road. So in veterinary terms, he was very healthy and his heart was strong. Okay, strong and stable beat. That's what my vet always explained to me. So healthy, healthy boy, no issues. He was normal that whole Sunday morning. No signs, no evidence of anything. Okay, and this is what I really want you to hear because this is the trippiest, most fucked up part about life and yet so twisted in a beautiful way like I I don't I don't know how else to explain it so just listen healthy all morning within three to five minutes and I don't have a gauge on the time because it all happens so quick and and who's looking at a clock my friend came in it was like 12 she got here at 12 noon because I remember, because I remember looking at my phone later and seeing that the text of "I'm here" came in at twelve noon. 
He was totally fine. She walked in with her baby. I picked him up per usual because he was howling and barking at her, which he does to anybody who comes in. Even when grandma visits, he howls and barks at anybody walking through the store other than mommy. Picked him up like I always do, carried him over, was holding him and introducing him to the baby, the seven-month-old baby. And the baby was like biggest fucking smile on her face ever, trying to kind of pet him. And mommy was talking to him the whole time like I always do, being like, you're doing so good, Angel. Mommy's so proud of you. And like, and you know, when I would hold him, he would, I held him like a baby on my hip. So she's holding her baby. I'm holding my baby. And like when he wants to be comforted and or he's over meeting that person and he doesn't want anything to do with it, he turns his head and like, and tucks it I call it the nook of my neck, right? Like it's that area between your your neck and your shoulder. Like he tucks his head right in there and puts his head over my shoulder looking backwards. And he did it. And I literally looked at my friend and said, look what he does. Isn't it the cutest thing, right? And then I turned and I never, when I was holding him, I never put him down without kissing him. It's just habit, right? Like 13 years, you acquire kind of this routine and this habit of doing things and saying things a certain way. It's what we always did before mommy put him down. I always kissed him. So I did. So I was holding him. I was like, mommy's so proud of you. You did such a good job. I'm so proud of you. Give me a kiss kiss. And he gave me a little kiss and I put him on the ground and I turned. I said, do you want a bone? And I went in the kitchen. It was literally like less than a minute seconds grabs his little bag of bones turned around and he was on this like little throw rug I have and he was squatting like he was peeing which this I mean he doesn't pee in the house so this was like an abnormal thing okay squatted and peed and he's squinting and he's staring right at me and so I drop the bag of bones and I get on my hands and knees because Dewey doesn't get yelled at And I approach him very tenderly, gently, and I go to like kind of like feel his belly because that's what I'm doing to make sure like, like, are you peeing? Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Are you okay, Angel? Are you peeing? What's the matter, bubs? And then he just topples over sideways and like collapses. And I just scooped him up in my arms And my friend goes, is he playing? What is he doing? And I said, no, there's something wrong with him. Brought him over to his water bowl thinking, you know, like you're not thinking straight, but I don't know what just happened. So I'm thinking, is he overheating? Did he pass out? Like what's happening? Let me try to get him some water. That was like my first instinct. So I'm holding him, supporting him, and I'm trying to stand him in front of his water and he cannot stand. He just collapsed again. So I just put him in my arms and screamed bloody murder. And I was like, call the emergency vet. And my friend goes, let's just just get in the car. So we ran. Now for a bitch who is like fire safety over here, this bitch ran out of her apartment. I was lucky I grabbed my keys and locked the door. I had a candle burning. I had all the lights on. I had my straightener plugged in, turned on in the bathroom. Like this was, you know, this is hands down a fucking emergency because 
I didn't even grab my wallet. I just ran with my baby in my arms, locked the door, and took off. So in the car, I'm going to give you a short version of this. Full-on fucking panic. I'm just screaming, crying my eyes out. And I don't know what's happening. And you know, like, listen, I was a lifeguard as a teen. Like, so, and I've dealt with trauma and traumatic situations in terms of, like, family members having, like, accidents in the house, like, falling down flights of stairs. Like, traumatic things. I am grace under pressure, okay? Not when it comes to Dewey. When it comes to Dewey, I have no sense of cool or calm. I lose all shits that I would have. And I have no ability to calm myself down. I just fly off the fucking handle. So I am just screaming and crying. The friend that was here, I mean, the guys, this is like miraculous scenario, okay? This friend has known me since the beginning of high school. We lost touch, like we were not really in each other's lives for a period of probably about 11 years, recently reconnected uh, about a year ago, okay? While she was pregnant with that little baby that she was holding, which is only like seven months old. Do the math, okay? But we reconnected and like, and it picked up right where we left off, right? So that's number one, crazy. Number two, like she's got her baby, I'm holding my baby. Like just just the fucking symbolism of all of this is just blowing my mind and also bringing me comfort, but also making me cry if, if you're following. She straps that baby into that car seat so calmly at the same time I'm just losing my shit and she is just I mean she doesn't really know the area very well that I live in trying to navigate and calm me down she's speaking to me so calmly right I am doing CPR on my dog at this point blowing in his mouth pumping on his chest do I know doggy CPR not necessarily I know human CPR because I was a lifeguard for many years in high school so you just you just adrenaline starts pumping and you just start doing whatever log like logically comes to mind. So I am just doing whatever I can because I don't, you know, we can't talk. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's wrong. She is calmly talking to me, going, You know, Reiki, just place your hand over his heart. Send him love. It's okay. Tell him you love him. Just breathe. We're almost there. It's okay. Like First of all, if you know me, you know having somebody around me like that is very important, but also for most of my life was very rare, right? Most people that would have been around me, Lord have mercy on their soul. They are not calm when I lose my shit because I'm usually the strong one in the bunch, right? I'm usually the one calming everybody down. I am usually playing that role. So when Amy loses her shit, I don't normally have somebody capable of being strength for me in my time of vulnerability and weakness. 
So again, right? Like like miraculous scenario here that, you know, you want to say, well, perhaps like she she knows how to be calm because she has a baby and she has like two other kids or whatever the case may be. It was the I, most perfect person to have been here at that point in time. All right. So I I don't remember all the events that took place, obviously, in this car ride. I do know that we aren't even at the emergency vet yet. I am pumping and blowing into my little doggy's mouth, screaming and crying. And I have my hand obviously on his chest so I can feel his heart. His heart is still going. And then I see his legs just go and kind of straighten out. And I feel his whole body start to go limp. I feel his heart stop in my hand. And he tucks his head right in that nook of my neck. And I lose my <laughs> shit. And then it was probably like a whole minute or maybe less later that we're like, she's like, we, sh- we should be almost at that vet. Like it should be right down this road. We're on a highway and we're at a light. And she looks and she goes, oh, it's right there. She goes, go. I got out on the highway and I'm just running across the highway on the grass to the emergency vet with my baby's little limp body in my arms, tucked in my neck, screaming and crying. I know that this might not have been what you wanted to hear when you played this episode, but I think, A, talking about this is really important. I think it says a lot to you when you hear somebody talk about the events. Number one, that you can get through it, right? Like you can hear me choking up, but you can get through it. Number two, it's very healing and it's very healthy and it's very necessary to talk about things that are painful to you. I have repeated this story over and over. It's told almost the same way every single time because I have retold it so many times. There is something so healing in replaying those events as tragic and traumatizing and painful and heartbreaking and life-shattering as they were. Just healing, healing. So I just want to pause for a second and say to you, I know that this episode may not be as funny as the the other ones and and the coming ones, but this is an important episode for you to recognize that whether you're grieving the loss, like the death of somebody or an animal that may have been like your child, or maybe you're going through a breakup, right? Or, you know, the end of a friendship or the separation of something. The ending of any kind in your life can be very painful, okay? Like, you know, people often compare it to like a new chapter, right? Well, like turning that page can be really fucking difficult, especially when you you are so attached to those last few chapters. But life doesn't stop, It really doesn't. And so the important thing for you to recognize is 
you have to find a way in the healthiest way for you, right? It may not be the same way that I do because I'm me and you're you, right? You have to find a way to move through it and understand that now that, that, like that event that I just shared with you, that is now part of my life. He is still part of my life. It's not something that I need to forget and suddenly get over and not talk about. And that is the problem a lot of you have and struggle with. You think I got to just get over the breakup and stop thinking about it and forget all about it. No, you don't. No, you don't. You are allowed to be hurt. Those are valid feelings. You're allowed to be sad, even if you know you don't want that relationship anymore, even if you know moving on is the best thing for you. You can feel sad still, even though you don't want it. Like those are all healthy. So don't think for one second that talking about it, replaying it, repeating it over and over and over is means that there's something wrong with you. Because it's the healthiest, most healing process in the world. And if you just allow yourself to have that or you provide yourself somebody who can give you a space to, to have that, like I, like I do for people, right, in, in sessions, take it. Take it. And don't let anyone tell you that there's a timeline on this, right? Because that was a whole thing for me. Like, oh, my God, all of these friends now, all of these family members – there, I, I only have, and that's from childhood for me. I was only allowed to be sick so long. I was only allowed to cry so long. There was a limitation on my pain. There is no limitation on your pain. So take those off, okay? Just recognize those didn't come from you. You don't have to be over it in two weeks or a week, okay? I ran into that vet. I handed him off to somebody. And I said, do everything you can. Like, shock him. Whatever the fuck you do here, do that. They put me in this little private room. My friend is bawling her eyes out now that we're there. She's like, do you want me to leave you alone? I'm like, I don't know what I need. I'm just, she's like, I'm just going to give you some space. I'm going to be right outside this door. So I'm in this little room by myself. I got my phone on the fucking vet table. And now I am just erratically dialing every fucking important person in my phone wailing <laughs> I feel so bad <laughs> I can't imagine I had absolutely no ability to like to and I didn't need to quite frankly but I'm laughing at it thinking back now like hindsight can you imagine picking up the phone to have that one that person that is usually very calm, cool, collect and strong and she is just screaming bloody murder on the other side of the phone like I'm sorry. I know that's fucked up, but like that's funny. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So I am erratically I called my vet's office cuz like, you know, vet first of all, all veterinarians in the world, y'all need to change this. Open your offices on a Sunday. Y'all fuck up our minds. Stop doing this to us. Don't limit us to just an emergency vet on a Sunday. I know y'all want a day off, but listen to me. I I I give access to my client. I give I give options to my clients to have access to me all days of the week. Do they pay for it? A hundred fucking percent they do. But for some of them it is a hundred and fifty percent worth that payment to know they can have Amy whenever 
and and however long they need, right? And you just have to realize on your, like I have to, I had to learn really clear boundaries with myself and I had to be committed to them. Otherwise that shit's not gonna work. But y'all can have an emergency vet staff. Like y- you need to get your shit together. Vet- veterinarians, I love you so much. I absolutely fucking love my vet. She's a Brit, you know I love a Brit. She is amazing. Their office is not open on a Sunday. I Do you know every time, like for his entire life, every time a weekend approached, I got fucking anxiety. I freaked out and I thought to myself, oh my God, like, oh my God, what if something happens? Oh my God, where am I going to go, right? So the other little piece of advice I want to give you is like map this shit out for you, okay? Like you don't, you don't think and you don't really want to think of like, where would I, where, what's the route I would take in case of an emergency? But when something traumatic like that happens, you lose all ability for like, like regular train of thought, right? And, and the ability to just like function properly. Luckily, I had somebody here. What if I didn't? I'm going to get into that in one second. Cause like the alternatives to what unfolded um, I, I'm so thankful I, those didn't happen. But if you specifically speaking to animal lovers and owners, I suggest you when you stop listening to this episode today, you just sit down, find the closest emergency vet to your home. This, this is not the reason he passed. It wasn't he, he wouldn't have made it had we gotten there any quicker. And again, I'm thankful for how this unfolded. But I and just in thinking hindsight, like I I knew where emergency vets were, but I didn't it wasn't like I had an address and a phone number like sitting on my refrigerator kind of thing. And I suggest you do. I suggest you know exactly where you would go and who you would call in case of an emergency. I mean, y'all do it with your children, right? When you leave them with babysitters, you go, here's the emergency contact information. You got to do it every time you fill out fucking paperwork for shit with your children or your spouse or whatever. When you go to the doctor, what's your emergency? When you have a surgery, what's your emergency? Do it for your animal. Do it. Find the emergency vet. Make sure you know the fucking hours. Make sure you have the exact address and know how the fuck to get there. Okay? Just take it from me. So I so I was just erratically caught. I left some fucking weird ass message on my vet veterinarian like uh, office machine. I have no idea what I said to anybody in that period of time because I was dialing numbers because I was I couldn't stand still and I'm in a room alone and I am waiting for them to come back and say we got his heart to start again, which clearly was not the case. I mean they continued CPR on him. They put a tube down his throat. They pumped him full of epinephrine to jumpstart his heart. And he had come in with no heartbeat. And he was almost 13. So my angel, my one and only, is no longer here. And the cause of death. And I think this is really important. You know how fucking pissed off I get when people die? People. When people die, not that I do this now. I don't read obituaries now, but like I I did growing up when like there was a 
tangible newspaper in front of me. I don't know why. I had experienced a lot of death as a kid. This was just a thing. Look in the obituaries. It like became a habit. People don't always put the cause of death, especially if it is something sudden or tragic or traumatic. Like if somebody ODs, they don't always put that. Somebody, you know, whatever, God forbid, gets like murdered, but it's like a domestic thing and it's not like on on the news or something like that. It's not always going to be listed. I think there's a tactful way of of saying how somebody died. And I think it's really important information. You might say, shut the fuck up, Amy. That's nobody's business. Here's why I think it's people's business. Because when you watch videos or you heard me talk, all you saw was me and a healthy puppy, and that's all he ever was. But he looked like a puppy. A lot of you didn't know his age. He didn't look like he ever aged. He didn't. He he was always, and that's what's fucking up my brain even more, is that Dewey was always a baby to me. He was always a baby to me. He looked like he was two. He acted like he was two. I I had to remind myself how old he was, but he never walked like an older dog. I never had to watch his body struggle to get up and on a couch, or he never had to wear a doggy diaper. He didn't have any of the physical aging that a, that that most dogs and humans have. Like his mommy, he ages backwards. And so he, to you, it was probably very shocking to be like, oh my God, what happened? Like I remember like um, Julianne Huff had like two little dogs and like it was in the news one day that both of them died at the same time and nobody said how. And my first question being a dog mom was, I would like to know how, because when you know how, like, did they did they have some sort of medical issue? Because if you share that with me, then I can be proactive in taking care of my baby. And that's that, that's why I think it's important. Because when you share that story, a lot of people I know are not strong enough to do that. I obviously do do this for a living. But you help others in doing it. By me telling you Dewey was always healthy by me sharing with you all of those little details, by me saying to you there were no signs or symptoms, that might freak you out now. You might be looking at your animal or your loved one and go, oh my God, this, but it's going to change how you interact with them. It's going to change, it's going to reframe your mindset, how you talk to them, how you treat them. You know, what you look out for is going to be different. And if I can help you in doing that, you know, it, no, it doesn't bring him back, but he he's not he's he's where he's he's going to be now and and so what can I do in my moving forward but share it with you um so yeah so there were no signs or symptoms like I said he was he was actively at the vet be, having his heart checked just because I'm that mom like they I would just schedule random checkups when he didn't need them even when the vet was like you're fine just come in for his next like vaccination or whatever it was right like his next heartworm shot or his next rabies vaccine not Amy not Amy Amy was in there like I just want you to check his heart let's weigh him I was always on top of making sure like his weight was in a healthy place because when he was younger he was a little overweight some people like not me some people I won't name names like to give him human food and he 
is not a dog that is capable of digesting human food. He has a very sensitive stomach. At one point, at one point, he was given so much, it was too rich that he started to develop like a pancreatitis situation. And I changed his whole diet. He, the re, part of the reason he looks so youthful and young and vibrant is because I fed him. I, I mean, in addition, this is the holistic approach. Like it's not just one thing, it's all things. In addition to my unconditional love and the calm, peaceful environment he was in, which I Googled later after he passed, Pomeranians thrive in a very calm, peaceful, one-person environment. In case you were wondering, he was a purebred Pomeranian. Everybody was like, why is he so big? He was bred bigger, motherfucker, okay? Just like you might have been. Why'd you pop out and you were nine fucking pounds and that one was six pounds? We ain't judging you, bitch. Like, no. (laughs) He has AKC papers. He's purebred, okay? Anyway, I digress. He was very healthy. The reason, oh, the food I fed him. See, I, I know, I'm human. I get off topic sometimes. The food I fed him was dehydrated food, okay? Um, I fed him dehydrated food mixed with fresh pet select, like this chicken stuff. He was a very picky eater as a puppy. He never wanted to finish his food. I would have to hand feed it to him. It became a very big process. Feeding him kibble alone was not healthy. He needed like a... a fresher component to it. So I started doing dehydrated food mixed with fresh pet select and he loved it. Gobbled that shit down twice a day. And it's very, 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 very healthy. It was recommended to me from a family friend who has, she at the time had like seven Malmutes. She had, she had a sled team of Malmutes um, some of which were show dogs. So I, I, I went to her for a lot of um, guidance and recommendations and things like that. She used to groom Dewey when he was a, a puppy. So there is that. Anyway, the, the way this all unfolded couldn't have been any other way. My baby left me with no room to question, did I do something wrong? Could I have done more? Did we not get there quick enough? I'm going to lay it out for you the way it is in my head, okay? The perfect person was here that day. Had I been alone, I would have never been able to drive him to the emergency vet. Therefore, I would have never been able to give him CPR. Therefore, I would have forever harbored guilt and felt like, did I do enough? I could have done more. I would have never forgiven myself, Had he been with my parents, with grandma and grandpa, I would have never believed them. I would have never believed them. And I would have forever blamed them. And it would have forever ruined the relationships that I have rebuilt in time with them. Had his heart not stopped in my hands and it was still beating and I got him to that emergency vet and I handed him over with a heartbeat and then they came back later and said, I'm sorry, we did everything we could, but we just couldn't save him. My Jersey ass would have been like, I'm suing you. You didn't do enough. You didn't work quick enough. Like that is, that's us in a nutshell. I, I would have straight up, not even fucking lying. This is not exaggerated just for content purposes. I would have, I know myself. I would have found a way to blame myself or somebody else. He left no room for that. 
It was me and him till the end. He made sure he was looking right at me. He made sure he was in my arms. He, I did everything I could with him in my arms. It was just me and him. It was a very pure thing. Like he wasn't handed to somebody else so I could drive. He was in mommy's arms the whole time. He was right in his spot that he was always in, which was like right on my right shoulder, being held right up against my chest with me telling him how much I love him and me obviously blowing in his throat to and pumping his chest. He and I were, you know, just the, the bond was unbreakable. So the way it went down makes sense, right? I got to feel that last, last heartbeat. It wasn't somebody else telling me his heart stopped. I felt it stop in my own hands, just me and him. And he went limp in my body. And that was it. Like, there was no other way this could have happened. I don't have to question or think for one second. Could I have? Should I have? Why didn't I? There absolutely... And honestly, I have so much empathy for people who maybe have those thoughts. I'm grateful forever to him that I don't have that. And I don't have to cope with that level of grief as well. I just have to cope with my baby's not here anymore. I don't have to cope with what did I do wrong you know, why did I go on that vacation? Because I didn't. And and I told you, see, 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 I keep my words, guys. Okay, I keep my word. I didn't vacation a lot. Like I took a trip here and there very rarely because he's my world. I wanted to be with him all the time. I didn't want to escape him. If I was going on a trip, he was coming with, and that was the end of it. Like, that's my best friend. That's my baby. I know that may sound confusing to you because, like, why do you want your, why do you want your child to be your, but he's, he's my, he was my everything, my support system, everything. And I was everything to him, right? When we took family vacations, my parents would be like renting a beach house. I legitimately was like, I'm not coming unless they allow small dogs. And then, so so then, and if you've ever rented a beach house down at the Jersey Shore, that's fucking difficult because people don't always want animals in their home because they can't trust you. They don't, they don't know Dewey is treated like a human. He is cleaner than most children. That's not even a lie. He is the, he was, he smelled like perfume all the time. He smelled like mommy. He's the cleanest. He was brushed every day. He's perfect. He's just the most perfect little human in the world, okay? But but people don't want, want animals because they don't know. They don't know me. They don't know that, right? Yeah. So I put my parents through the ringer over the years. Like, no, you're going to have to. I'm not coming on a family vacation unless I can bring my dog with me. And that's the end of it. Otherwise, I'm not coming. And then once I was there and, and they had a house where I could allow him, then it was... Because it was usually like a beachfront house. But, you know, you got to walk from, from you know, behind the dunes to the water, whatever. I was like, he's not staying alone in an environment he's not familiar in. He will feel abandoned. 
And this is all coming from the fact that like these are the things I felt as a child. Unbeknownst to a lot of people in my in my world, these these were my experiences as a child. I did feel neglected, I did feel abandoned. I I felt a lot of those things. So when I got Dewey, when I was 22 years old, that was that was the year I grad 2007. I got him when he was 4 months old. He was born April 23rd, 2007. I got him when he was four months old, and I said to myself, yes, even at 22, and I was not this person at 22 at all, but I said to myself, if I'm, if I'm going to have a dog, I'm going to treat him all the way as I was not treated as a child, right? And that's what I did, and I honestly can be so proud of every single second of every single day that I had with him because... I would stop, like, I'm a busy person. I got a lot of responsibility. I run a business. I have a shit ton of clients. I have a lot of people that rely on me for support. I have regular life responsibilities like the rest of you, you know, pay bills, pay rent, car, get it serviced, shit like that, right? He was included in all of that. I cook all the time. I cook every meal. Even if I was cooking and checking messages, I would stop everything, like he he was just incorporated into all of that. It wasn't like a I need to neglect you for hours and then designate time to spend with you. He was just part of everything. So I would stop what I was doing, go plop on the floor, stare at him in the eye and have a full-on conversation with him just so I was present. Because I I live every day not just with him, with everybody. And and this comes from having experienced a lot of death, human death as a kid. I live every day, and people say this, but honestly, I, I talk to a lot of people. I hear a lot of shit. Not, there's a small percentage that actually does this. I approached every day like tomorrow could be your last. But you don't, realize when it is that day and that is that time that like you know it's ta- it's taken me several days to a week to get to this point of like I, yes I'm really proud of myself for how I treated him but I miss treating him that way and I wish having him here so I'm walking around talking to air I know he's here I can feel his presence and all of that it's different I can't see him you know what I mean and that's really that's that whole shift in life like my world is flipped, my heart is shattered. Life is very different. My entire schedule is different cuz everything incorporated him. Everything. Even while I was cooking myself food, even when I was working, he was part of those things. It wasn't like I had to go to a job for 8 hours and he only saw me in the morning and in the evening. He was with me all day long. When I would see friends, we would do things that could include him. Because I wasn't leaving him by himself unless he had a babysitter. Like I wasn't unnecessarily leaving him by himself just so I could go and be a 30-something-year-old or a 20-something-year-old back then. He came everywhere. Boyfriend's houses, he came to. Like vacations, he came with. Work, he was under my desk or he was sitting on my lap every single day. So life is different. It's very fucking weird. Um, And... Yeah, this episode is a little bit longer than normal, but I think it's really important that I I have shared that with you, especially because 
you start to get to know me and the things I share and become part of my world, even though you're not in it. You know what I mean? Like you, you're a, you're a part of it. And, and I want, I want you to always feel like you're getting vulnerability and honesty um, all the time in everything I share with you. My heart is broken, even though I can talk about this like this and not be crying my eyes out. I am still crying. Like, let's just keep it real. Like, I'm not superwoman over here, even though some of you like to think I am. My home looks like a funeral home. Clients have been sending me the most beautiful flowers. Flower displays are coming out my ass, and y'all know how I am with live plants. Can I just tell you, I came up with some really healthy coping mechanisms in this entire process because like the first day after everything happened and I brought his little body to the vet, um, it was like the next day you wake up and you're like, I have nobody to walk. It was, it was always get up, walk Dewey, come back, feed Dewey. Then I would work out. Then I would feed Amy. Then we'd sit together and meditate. Like it was the whole thing. You get up that day and you're like, I have nobody to walk. So what did Amy do? Amy took his leash, put it in her pocket, and she took the walk that she normally takes with him. Obviously, it was very different because I'm walking faster when when I have nobody to stop and let sniff and pee. But I was making mental notes of like, yeah, we were just there and he peed there and he pooped there and he peed there. And you might think that's weird, but it was really healing for me, right? And then I thought, okay, well, I miss the responsibility. I lived for him. I, I lived every second for him. I loved tending to him. I loved feeding him. I loved combing his hair. Combing his hair, guys, everybody was, who's really close to me, really, really, really close to me. Actually, no, I'm sorry, not everybody. There's one person, B. B knows that me combing Dewey like reduces any any type of anxiety I have, calms me down. So anytime I was freaking out at any point in life, she was like, go get Dewey, get his hairbrush and comb him. And I would just start laughing because like that was what she said. Come on, that's fucking funny. But it always, because it immediately made me present. It immediately made me slow down and just, and he loved it. He loved the attention, but he also loved being taken care of. And I loved it. And there's nothing more satisfying than brushing your dog. Seriously. I know. I'm a sick little bitch sometimes. But like, <laughs> I loved it. He, I mean, Pomeranians have a lot of, a lot of hair. It's not fur. It's hair. They're hypoallergenic for those wondering. So they're allergy friendly dogs. <laughs> so they have an undercoat. So you have to use a certain kind of brush and you had to brush them very, 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 very slowly and gently to pull out those layers that are shedding from underneath. It's not like combing your your lab. You know what I mean? Very different experience. He has he has layers of hair that you, you know, and so like I would whenever I found a little spot, I'd call it like his shed spot. Because like he would always shed like on his paws and it was the softest fur. I lived for like combing that. Don't, I know, don't. It's weird. It's weird, but whatever. I'm just going to give you all my weird. That's what I've been doing on all my dates lately. Just handing over all of my fucking weird right off the bat. 
I, um, I have taken to bringing live plants into my home because I miss the responsibility of feeding Dewey, walking Dewey, and, and scheduling my life around that. I'm lost. I'm a little lost and empty, to be honest, because I don't have that structure that I've had for 13 years. And I have to kind of create a new structure that's going to work for Amy now. And I'm still in the smack dab in the middle of grieving. So yeah, so I was like, you know what? I hated having live plants. And I always said I was not good with them because I didn't like watering them. I felt like they didn't do anything for me. You know, like Dewey gave me so much. I know, don't come at me about like, oh, they're good for the air and blah, blah, blah. Like, I know, I know that. But like, they're not, they're not licking my face. They're not cuddling with me. They're just sitting there looking pretty. So I was like, mom, give me all your fucking, I'm not going to go buy ones if I'm going to just kill them. Just give me yours. Give give me some of your plants that you don't care if they die. I'm taking them home. And in in the place where I had that responsibility, I'm going to tend to the plant. Let me tell you, everybody in my little close circle was like, that's a genius idea. And I go, are you shocked? I'm a genius. I mean, even in my grief, even in my hysterical crying, I wake up every morning hysterically crying because he's not next to me. Again, it might sound abnormal that I can talk like this about it. We're not even two weeks out. I'm facing it head on. I mean, I came home the next, I, I didn't sleep at home. No, I, I, I slept at home the, the, the day it happened. And then the next day I had to bring his body to the vet. And that night I did not sleep at home because I was like running. It was late. And I thought, oh my God, it's eerie. Like I don't want to go home. Every time I was coming home, he was right next to me. And I was like, I'm just, mm -mm." so I slept at my parents' house. And then the next day I got up, my mom's like, you sure you can stay here longer? We have the guest room. I'm like, I got to face this. I have to go home and actually sit in this discomfort. And she was like, you're so strong. And I'm like, I have to. Like, what's the alternative? Avoid it for two weeks and then have to face it? That's what a lot of people do do. And, you know, again, no judgment there. But I know too much. I have to face it. I'm going to come home. I'm going to have to deal with the fact that like I liked being by myself, but I was never alone. And now I'm alone. Like now it feels empty and it's different. And I have to go cope with that. I got to go figure out how to deal with that. And that's going to be a lot of tears and a lot of emotions that, you know, I might not really want to feel, but I have to feel. So I did that. I put the plants around the house. And instead of saying it looks like a funeral home, I'm going to just keep saying we're in a tropical paradise because y'all listen. Like my clients listen. Y'all know my favorite flower is a lily. And, and you sent me the most beautiful displays of flowers. All, all of them have lilies. So whether you did it by accident or not, I don't fucking know. But um, good job. Good job. I love when people hear me. Oh, so I have continued. I, I It has been recommended by my vet and, and a lot of people close to me that I trust and confide in that I stay busy, right? So I've continued to go on dates. I mean, okay, here's some humor for you. 
I was supposed to have a date that night that everything happened. Just for a second, close your eyes and visualize being the dude who has to get the text message that says, I'm sorry, can we reschedule? My dog died. (laughs) I was making jokes in the midst of me hysterically crying in the room because that's how I cope with things sometimes. I mean, I just, yeah. So I've, I've continued to do that because again, like I have to, to keep living and I have to stay busy and it's a wonderful filter. I mean, all jokes aside, it's a wonderful filter because for me, an important aspect of a relationship is having someone who's not, who's not emotionally unavailable. So, you know, there's a picture of Dewey and me in in my dating profile. So it obviously comes up and I'm not going to not talk about him. I'm not going to pretend he didn't exist. I'm not going to dismiss his presence in my life now that he's not physically present. So yeah, so I bring it up and I mention it. And for me, it's perfect because if they run scared or they stop answering, which none of them have, mind you, after that, then good on them, right? Like, okay, so you understand that I'm grieving right now and, you know, my dog is my child. Some people might be uncomfortable with all of that. It's 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 just... For somebody like myself who lives her life with this mentality of really trying to reframe fucked up situations, right? And put a positive twist to them. I'm finding this whole grieving process so interesting. So interesting. Like the the waves that come, the the waves that come in and out, how they can start to attach to other things in your life. But really, it's like I'm grieving Dewey, but I'm very sensitive in general right now. So other things can feel like they're more triggering. I think you can take that out of the context of grieving, though, and apply that to so many areas of life, right? Like if one thing is bothering you, one thing, Let's say it's your spouse, your significant other. Let's just say you got in an argument that morning, whatever it is. Let's say that one thing is like cycling your mind and you go on with the rest of your day. It can be very easy to then assign those emotions to other people and situations happening and displace it. And we do this. We do this all the time. And I'm catching myself doing it. It, You never perfect this. It's not about not doing it. It's just about being aware that you're doing it and then trying to kind of find a healthier way to maneuver it, right? When you're sick, like when I'm sick, I am a cranky ass motherfucker. I am whiny. I am needy. And as needy as I get, I also want to be left the fuck alone. Like this is why Dewey and I were the perfect match because we slept next to each other every night right? He was always on my right hand side, but he wasn't a dog that wanted me to like grab him. Like, you know, some dogs, like my brother's dog, when I slept at my parents' house, they were babysitting. Their dog, it's a little Yorkie poo, Tank. Tank likes to curl up in this tiny little ball and lay right on top of you. Cute. 
not my style. Get off me. I overheat at night. I like to sleep in a wind tunnel. I kick my legs. I like my space. Then when I want your time and attention, then I reach over and I grab you. And that's how me and Dewey rolled. Like he needed to be near me. I needed to be near him. He wanted to know I was there. He knew if I moved. I knew if he moved. But like, you know, he was cool just existing next to me. And then every once in a while, I'd pet him. And then in the morning, we'd snuggle and we'd do all that. But it was like, it was not... It, it was not like we needed to, ugh, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. So that's how I am when I'm sick, right? It's like I'm super needy, but leave me the fuck alone. You you have to know the right, the right balance with me. I'm a very unique individual. You have to learn how to balance the give me undivided attention and also stay the fuck away from me. So, yeah, so, so... I've continued to go on dates. I'm surrounded by people. I've never been surrounded by so many people by choice, okay? By choice. Like, they've all been here. It's just I've always had a level of a, like a a safe distance. (laughs) I didn't need to rely or need or support. Like, I wasn't on the phone all the time. Now I'm calling people at all hours and bless their hearts. They're so amazing. They're picking up. And I'm the one who's telling myself there's this timeline. They're not going to want to answer in a week. They're not going to want to hear me repeat this story. They're not saying it. And that's what we do too. We put stories to people, right? This is, I mean, this is just, it's like any situation for me, giving me so much to understand and and make sense of and apply elsewhere in my life. I am still very sad, but I can tell you that when you are capable of just sitting with discomfort and not reacting to it and then finding ways as I share with you when I'm talking to like make sense of it, process it like I did with the whole thing that happened traumatically on that Sunday with him. When you're able to look at it from a different perspective, it changes life for you. It really does. I mean, there, are, I, it's, it's not new to me to have people say, you're so strong, Amy. It's not new to me when people reach out to me now while I'm grieving and they're like, my heart is broken for you. You've done so much for us. I wish I could do something for you. It's appreciated, but it's not shocking. You know what I mean? Because I know who I am and I know what I'm capable of and I know what I've been through. But also, I don't see myself the the way, because I'm not removed from me, right? So when I watch back these little videos that I post of Dewey, it allows me that space to see myself from the outside in and and that I think that's I'm gonna cry that's something that I've always wanted like I always thought if I could just see myself from the outside in like I wouldn't have all these mental and emotional struggles to work through I would be able to feel my worth and I'd be able to speak my truth like all of those things right but you don't have that ability you don't have that ability. You you get there eventually, like I'm I'm there, right? But when I was when I was loving on Dewey and talking to Dewey and just being Dewey's mommy, I was just being Amy. 
I never, I knew what I was doing. I knew what I was saying. I know who I am. But to witness it like on video, to hear myself back, to to watch it back is the most beautiful thing in the world. It is. So I want to thank all of you for all of your messages, all of your support, all of your love, all of your kindness, all of your flowers, all of your gifts. Um, my sister got me this beautiful necklace. She she had gotten me this necklace with my initial on it for Christmas. And, and so after everything happened, she had one made with Dewey's name on it. And I can like layer them. Little things like that. I have people wanting and and offering and making artwork of of Dewey or Dewey and myself all of it is 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 just I don't it just goes to show the kind of people you are and again I'm not removed from myself in this particular situation but I would say that if you feel that way and you you feel so willing and open to extend me that love then I can then I can probably confidently say to myself that you have felt that much love coming from me to you and before I start to cry my eyes out I know this is a different type of episode a longer episode but it was a necessary episode and I will talk to you again very soon I love you